few months ago, I chatted to Doug Hooten of uh, Harris County ESD 11 EMS down there in Texas about building an agency from the ground up. So let's do a recap. I'm Rob Lawrence. This is EMS One Stop, sponsored by Blink. Hello, welcome back to another edition of uh, EMS One Stop. As I said in the intro, uh, back in August, I think, uh, I sat down with Doug Hooten and we talked about the daunting task that he had of uh, taking a blank sheet of paper, a blank bit of acreage and building from the ground up. And so I've invited Doug back to uh, let us know how it's going. Doug, welcome. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate the uh, the effort uh, that you put into all of our EMS brethren out there to keep us educated so uh thanks for inviting me back well thank you very much for that those kind words so uh how many days into it now yeah, so we are now 79 days into operations where we went live september 1st and um it is uh it's a very exciting time here we uh we started with with 27 of our 40 vehicles because um, that's all we could get on the ground at the time. Um, we now have all 40 of our vehicles um, on the ground um, and operational uh, in the field. And um, so we have uh, all the staff. I know that's a, that's a big issue for around the country, but yep. we're, we're currently about 110% staffed, which is very helpful for being able to put up the 28 trucks a day that we want to put up uh, to meet our communities. Um, need for ambulance services. So straight away, I mean, let's let's jump in because the, the two things you've mentioned already, Doug, are high on the potential disaster checklist for EMS around the country and possibly even around the world at the moment. So ambulances, uh, chip issues, uh, you've got, though, hybrid vehicles. Was it touch and go up until the last minute getting the trucks in? Question one. And question two is, how are those hybrid vehicles going for you? So, yeah, it's a, it's a great um, question, Rob. We, uh, we did have trouble getting um, chassis to ensure that we would have the trucks that we needed. And it took some wrangling with uh, Ford um, and some compromise to, to get um, the trucks that we needed to at least get started um, with the system, which was 26 trucks that we needed to get on the ground um, in order to be able to go live September 1st. And you know, so we were able to get those in um, and operational by August 30th, literally the very last day we possibly could have gotten them in and uh, operational. And um, the hybrid piece of this um, has worked um, incredibly well. And uh, we made a decision, uh, obviously, early on to go with uh, the new seven. The, we're, we're using Ford F450s uh, with the new 73 uh, engines, gasoline engines. And uh, so we decided to go with gas over uh, diesel. And um, obviously, uh, that's a huge savings for us as it relates to um, the cost of fuel and then the fuel mitigation um, strategy that we use because we run a dynamic resource system here and uh, high performance. And so we're posting a lot in the system and uh, the idle mitigation has uh, 
this feather helped us um, reduce our need for fuel and it sort of prolonged our our engine life so far. So, um, you know, we're, we're very pleased um, so far uh, with the zero RPM hybrid models that we have uh, in place. Thinking back to my uh, selecting ambulance days, we actually went for the, the Ford V10 gas. We, we did that that cost analysis around the, 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 the diesel versus gasoline. So zero RPM. So you're not needing to high idle to maintain stuff on the truck then. So how is how does that work? Yeah, so um, as we uh, pull up to uh, park, uh, and you put it in park, um, it has uh, the ability to, to sense that you're uh, in idle. Uh, it will actually uh, shut down the engine uh, and will run off the lithium batteries um, pretty much for two and a half, three hours um, with uh, most all of the stuff on. It has um, the air conditioning system runs off a of 12 volt. So it, you get air conditioning, um, all your lighting. So it, uh, it, it continues to run everything um, as you, you know, sit on scene or at a hospital or at post. And it is quite efficient with the air conditioning and heating. That's excellent. <coughs> and uh, that was one of the <coughs> conundrums and challenges that we all always looked at is, you know, can we get to the point where we can turn the truck off and keep all the life support systems heating or cooling going and obviously you're in you're in houston so you're closer to the sun than anybody else so obviously keeping the cooling going is something that i'm certainly going to follow as you go on yeah and it's uh, it's been uh, well received by the uh, the crews and you know the, the common complaint you get from emergency rooms is the diesel fumes into the emergency room and so these shut down and uh, you don't have that complaint anymore so we get a good carbon footprint from these uh, we have solar panels which we uh, Sort of took from your world when you were you were doing this, and from Sunstar, and um, we seem to have enough power to sort of mitigate a lot of those uh, those issues. Great fan of solar panels. I seem to remember when we put them in. This is back in Richmond, and the ROI we got the money back in about eighteen months. Uh, it was right. quite remarkable. Yeah, the ambulances have performed, or really sort of to uh, to our current status, have exceeded. Um, our expectations um, all the way around. The crews seem to like them. Uh, most of our ambulances are extended cabs. That was part of the compromise to get the 26. We had to get uh, 14 regular cabs because that's all Ford could produce. So unfortunately, we have some regular cabs in there as well. But but most of them are all um, extended cabs, and the crews really seem to like the extended. Uh, extended cab. Well, I'm sure the phone's going to ring, Doug, when folk realise that, hang on a minute, he got all these trucks brand new from the get-go in this sort of uh, chip uh, light era. Moving on, though, uh, the next thing on the sort of elephant in the room list is you are over 100% staffed. That's yep. something that's the focus of webinars, discussions, uh, briefings right now out there. So what's the secret sauce on that one? You know, that's a, that's really a good question. I've been asked that uh, several times as to what I think the, the secret sauce to that has been. And, and part of it, I think, is sort of rethinking the um, model of, of how you sort of view an organization. Um, you know, um, and I know this is not... Um, something necessarily new, but, but we decided early on that we wanted to be an employee-centric um, organization, and a lot of people have that same, uh, same thought, so um, it's not a new concept per se, but, 
But when you think about what that means um, and you get a core group of employees together and you ask them what that means to them, you know, you sort of get, you know, pay obviously is, is going to be a big issue. And so you make sure that your compensation is on par with everyone that's around you uh, and maybe even slightly above. And, um, and then you work backwards from there. They, they care about benefits. And so you make sure you're offering the benefits, the benefit package that is uh, superior to um, what you might find in the area. So as a, for instance, um, our health insurance is 100% paid for the employee, employee spouse, uh, our employee dependent, um, and it's 85% paid um, for uh, employee family. So when you start thinking about that, that's sort of a hidden paycheck uh, to the employees. And then um, if you have a, because we're a governmental entity, we're able to participate in the state pension plan. Um, and so you offer uh, a pension to go along with that compensation package. And then on top of that, we offer a 457, which is like a 401 or something that's a voluntary plan that has a 3% match um, on top of that. So, so you make the compensation and uh, total compensation package uh, very attractive. Um, and it also makes it um, so that, you know, most of the time when people get into a third service uh, EMS, you hear that you know they want to go to a fire department so they can have retirement. They want to go to a police department so they can have retirement. And then the other side of that is making sure that you have uh, flexible scheduling. You know it's amazing to us because everyone around us runs 24-hour shifts. You know some version of that, 24/72, I mean they're they're all over the place, <laughs> and that's always been the preference here, but. But we're running sort of that hybrid model of that, which is we have some of those 24-hour shifts, but most of our trucks are uh, demand trucks. And we have lots of different scheduling variances for that. And that has really been popular uh, with people because um, it really helps them schedule their lives to be more interactive with their family and give them better uh, quality of life. So I think the secret sauce is to listen to the employees of what's important and one thing that I'll say that I never thought of um, is doggy daycare. And so a pet daycare for employees has become something that's very important to them. And uh, we're, we're looking to put that in place um, for all of our employees as well. So it's listening to them, you know, what makes a difference to them? What, what do they value um, in their world? Um, and I think it's, it's trying to live and build that culture about being employee centric. So you heard it here first, folks, doggy daycare. One of the things I want to pick up on, and I have said to a number of people now and written a number of times that one of the benefits or one of the things to when you go and work for an organization is to actually look at those benefits, particularly look at the healthcare plan, because whilst the salary might be a little bit lower, when you start to factor in, and particularly if you're a, a family person, then what the, the, the costs and sometimes the hidden costs, the high deductibles and everything else at, I think people just pay, pay more attention about highlighting if you're recruiting, pay more attention about highlighting what the benefit is that the individual gets. And if you are looking for a job, get the magnifying glass out and see actually how working for this particular organization, as I say, particularly if you have a family, will benefit you. And I don't think we spend enough time talking about that 
and uh, you know just listening to you i think that's spot on one small sort of side anecdote i worked in an area where a neighboring service had a great healthcare plan except the two hospitals in that first due area were out of bounds in terms ah. of insurance coverage for the employees that worked in that county and so you have to kind of you know weigh up the pros and the cons but i think you make an excellent point yeah and so um i i think that was our focus i think uh, i i wouldn't say it's necessarily secret sauce but but I do think if you build the uh, build the organization around the needs of your employees, um, and then you know put into place the culture that supports that, you know I, I think you'll have a winning recipe, and people will want to come and work at a place that uh, that sort of has that. And we're we're fortunate um, because we have all new equipment, which is you know also enticing for people and. We have the latest and greatest technology that's that's currently available, and uh, we have aggressive uh, protocols and all the things that you would look for in a in a high performance, you know, high value um, sort of EMS system. Let's keep going down the checklist. Then you mentioned protocols. Uh, you are seventy to eighty days in. Um, you've had a chance, I guess, to bed in kind of your clinical operations, but. Uh, how, because you are a new organization, but you have a lot of experience, how are things like your QAQI clinical assessment, you know, going? What, what have you put in place and what are you learning already? Yeah, and, um, you know, that's, that's a great point uh, as well, Rob. You know, I, I think the, the focus on being an um, employee-centric organization is the hope that uh, what comes out of that are employees who can be um, focused on being patient-centric um, and so having good protocols and having a great uh, clinical department, our medical director, uh, Dr. Casey Patrick, is an amazing guy. He, he spends a lot of time educating um, the staff and spending time with them, um, reviewing cases you know, constantly with them. And so we have built a quality improvement department. Uh, it's, you know, we're about 250 uh, employees. And we have an apartment of about uh, eight people who do the quality improvement on most people um, all day long. So you get probably 20% of all the charts get reviewed every month. Um, 100% of the, you know, the high, high risk procedures, you know, that are from a perspective of the medical director are reviewed all 100% of the cardiac arrest. So we're getting a lot of data uh, and information into the quality improvement uh, process that we're able to, um, to build sort of profiles around each and every um, in-charge paramedic on a truck and an attendant on a truck so that um, you know, we get a good view of you know, what they look like and what they need um, as we move forward with our first quarter of education around what we've seen um, so far in the system. Brilliant. So let's just take a second and uh, a word from our sponsor. Given the current workforce challenges, retention is now more important than ever. By ensuring that field staff feel appreciated, informed and listened to, Blink's all-in-one employee app is currently helping EMS providers across the nation to improve their retention rate significantly. With Blink, frontline employees are able to communicate with their managers, receive company updates and gain access to key systems like payroll and scheduling, all within an easy-to-use mobile app. If you're interested in finding out how Blink can help your organization to improve employee retention and engagement, then please visit www.joinblink.com forward slash demo to learn more. 
This is George Monk from Blink. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you, George. That was uh, QAQI. I've been following you on Facebook, Doug, and uh, on other social media, and you're out there in the community. So how easy or difficult or challenging has it been to you know, introduce yourself to the community? Because, again, you're brand new. There was a previous service there. How, is, how has that work gone? You know, it's taken a lot of uh, effort and energy, and um, and I will say that the community has been very receptive um, to our outreach efforts um, to educate them about you know the the new system and what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, we have hired um, uh, a community engagement uh, manager, uh, Jerry Thomas, who has done an amazing job of uh, getting us uh, you know into the social media uh, platforms and attending um, social events uh, in the community and getting us engaged um, with all kinds of activities um, in the community and he's done a terrific job of highlight highlighting our service and our staff uh, on our social media platform so um, so far, it has been um, very rewarding and um, it's going very well. Interestingly, uh, you, you weren't too far away from the concert in which uh, there was a lot of uh, crush injuries and uh, an MCI. I'm not sure you were a part of that, but uh, how are you doing in terms of integration with your local emergency planning, emergency management teams? Are you fully integrated? And, uh, you know, what would you do if uh, that situation arose in your, you know, jurisdiction? That was, uh, that was a terrible, tragic uh, event. Um, we were not directly involved in that scenario. Our neighboring um, agency, Harris County Emergency Corps, was doing the, uh, was doing part of the uh, ambulance standby there, not the primary standby. I think Paradox was doing the primary medical standby. But one of the first things we did was uh, begin to um, make sure that we have integration with all of our fire departments and our emergency management folks here. Because um, probably August, last week of August, we were threatened with a hurricane. So we had to get into sort of emergency prep mode uh, on top of everything else that we were trying to do and work with emergency management staff uh, to make sure that we would be prepared uh, in the event that the hurricane uh, came our way. Fortunately uh, for us, it, it turned and went east, but it was a good um, sort of check of where we actually set and, and you know, a realization that we still have uh, a ways to go to, to get fully ready and engage in um, fully with our community as it relates to you know, disaster response. But uh, we're making progress on that, you know, every single day. I think the thing that I have learned so far from the Astroworld Festival issue is the need for pre-planning these events and making sure that everyone uh, can communicate. Uh, there, there seemed to be a huge communication failure, which then caused delays and um, resources reaching that area. Um, so... Um, yeah, I, I think more pre-planning and practice of, of these scenarios would be would have would be helpful and would have been helpful. 
very tempting to armchair quarterback all of this. I'm sure there will be uh, an after-action review and investigation and uh, lessons identified in the future. But uh, the old soldier in me always follows the P rule, which is prior preparation and planning prevents insert another p poor performance so uh, anyway listen you can follow us on apple Podcasts, soundcloud amazon music stitcher or spotify if you're enjoying the show please take a moment on this whatever platform you're on to rate and review us and if you want to reach out uh, the email is the show at ems1.com and put the word one stop in the subject line doug i was on a podcast with our great friend mike tagman last week and we were talking as always uh, our particular podcast about resilience and you have a resiliency manager, I understand. Yes, yes, that was. Uh, How does that of, work? That's one of the things that we have. Uh, I really wanted to spend a little bit of time and energy on with the with the deployment of this new system. Is how can we build into our program and make it programmatic a resiliency coordinator who who is all their real function is to make sure that they are in touch with our staff. And, you know, if there is a bad call, um, they know about it. They get, you know, they get um, notified by dispatch and they can reach out to the crews. The crews can reach out to, to, to that person. The other part of their job is to build a, a peer group of people so that there is a group of people that people can reach out to that they might trust. Um, we're going to work with Mike Tagman and his group um, to make sure that we're building into the, the system the, the right training and uh, discipline for the staff as it relates to uh, this topic and letting everyone know that it's okay not to be okay. That's just sort of our thing here. We, we want people to know that this is a tough job and, and you know you see things that no human probably should ever have to see and and everybody reacts differently to that. And we wanna make sure that we have plenty of resource in place uh, to help people deal with those issues as it goes along. So Kamal is our, uh, is our resiliency coordinator and um, he's only been doing this for about three weeks now and um, he's making great progress, uh, gets out and uh, mingles with staff and, um, and so far, the review has been um, extraordinary from the staff. And I hope, Doug, this is another one of those uh, points where your phone will ring, because, again, uh, I had the chance to uh, listen to him talk on uh, Mike Tegman's Resilience Dialogues podcast last week, and uh, very impressed. And also, good job for you to actually put a person in post whose job is to do this. And I think there's a uh, 10 years ago, I remember people were calling us in Richmond saying, can we have the job description of your safety manager? Uh, hopefully they'll ask you about your resilience coordinator. We highly recommend it. And in today's uh, environment, I think it is uh, definitely one of the positions that you should put as a prior, uh, priority. Thinking about the future, Doug, of course, as we all know, or some of us know, being a chief officer, a chief operating officer, a CEO, your job is never done. You probably sleep with one eye open. So what's currently keeping you awake at night? Oh, you know, I, we're, we're a new system and, you know, you're only one call away from disaster in a community that's just sort of getting used to you. So, um, you know, I certainly worry about my crew's safety. We have, we have a lot of violence um, in our uh, 177 square miles. Um, 
I know it doesn't, you know, 65,000 responses, but, you know, we have two, three, maybe four shootings a day, and we have a lot of drug um, activity. Uh, we have a lot of high velocity um, motor vehicle collisions. So, um, you know, I worry about my crew safety uh, constantly. I think that's number one on my list. Uh, number two will be um, worrying about my community and making sure that that we constantly deliver the levels of service um, that they have grown to expect, um, as well as uh, making sure that we, uh, to the extent possible, exceed those expectations. You know, I, I'm a realist, and and, and we've certainly had um, our our speed bumps. You know, it's here in uh, Texas, it's like rolling over uh, little armadillos, but um, I think at the end of the day, making sure we can take care of our community and making sure my employees are safe are the two things that probably keep me up the most. And so to do that, Doug, you have to be a great communicator. And so how are you staying in touch with everybody out there? So uh, we use a combination of things. We do podcasts. Um, as uh, as you know, we've, we've had a, a few podcasts. Uh, I use uh, virtual town hall meetings uh, quarterly um, with employees to, to keep them uh, up to date. We use a lot of social media. Um, I spend uh, as much time as I possibly can in the Bay and, um, and around talking with staff about, you know, how things are going. Um, that's very important right now as we're, we're getting started. So I hear um, the things that work um, and most probably important, some of the things that don't work. Um, and it's a constant reminder to people to focus on the positives that people do all day long. It's not so much the negatives, you know, we, we tend in management to focus on 10% that, that have some issue all day long and not the 90% that are doing this fantastic job. And so constantly encouraging supervisors and managers to, to stay positive. That's the perfect answer, Doug. You checked off all the mental things in my head, not the mental things in my head, the mental checklist in my head. And the one you didn't mention, which I'm delighted to, is just rely on email because my old IT director said, you do know that 75% of all emails never get opened. Right. So uh, you're doing everything else. And uh, a, a top tip that I learned from a good friend of mine, ours actually, uh, Chip Decker, who was the master of MBWA, Management by Walking About, would right. park his vehicle in the furthest most spot on the lot and then slowly walk through the organization to get to his office. Um, and some days that could take him an hour because he'd stop, talk, take in, and then, of course, test and adjust as he was going. And I thought that was always a, a you know, actually, some people went, well, where the hell is he? And actually, I would say, well, he's out there doing what he should be doing as the chief. So uh, good for you. Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant guy. And uh, I, I think the world of Chip and, and I, too, do the exact same thing. I park as far away uh, as I possibly can and walk through um, every department um, to make sure that everybody is doing their thing and are reasonably happy and um, can tell me anything they would like to tell me. And I would hate for someone to say, if you put him in a lineup, I couldn't identify him. Um, so I would, I would say we don't have that problem here. Most everybody knows um, who I am, if not everybody knows exactly who I am. And, and um, I think it's important to have that personal touch. Indeed it is. And yes, it's, it's really good when you can name everybody in the organization, particularly if you have a, if you have a big organization. And uh, coming back to something else you said, I'm also a huge fan of the town hall. And uh, I work with the California Almonds Association and I've made it a thing to make sure we have a really well-rounded 
everyone informs town hall platform where everybody can open up their zoom comment come back in and i think it's a great way of doing business and actually keeping everybody in the loop yeah we uh we take questions you know prior to our town halls but we also take questions um during our town hall so people can text in questions and we'll answer them live um and then we send out a you know sort of spreadsheet that has all the questions and then the answers to those questions um, after it's all over with. So we try to communicate as much as we possibly can um, and try to keep rumors down to a minimum. What's the next big ticket item on the horizon for you then? Obviously, you've, you've as we said already, you've, you've purchased a lot of stuff. Everybody's fairly brand new, but there's always something else you want to get or something else you want to do. What is that? So I, our, our current focus is to get um, our organization ready for accreditation. So we are working um, currently to um, get ourselves accredited probably here in the next year to be CAS accredited. We're also working to get our communication center accredited. So um, as you well know, because you've uh, you participated in those events, that's a lot of work. Um, and it's not so much about the accreditation as it is the journey to accreditation that I think will help us um, close the gaps on um, a lot of the areas uh, that because of our uh, rapid startup, uh, we may have missed. Um, so that's really our focus for the next year. Yes, it was a lot of work. I, uh, I have that twitch, the, the, the cast twitch in getting stuff ready. But uh, one of the shortcuts that I developed was that every SOP, SOG uh, protocol you have, cross-reference it with your accreditation standard so everything we had for example had a CAS reference attached to it so that when it comes to assembling the data and the information immediately there was a cross-reference and so when they come in to to visit and to assess you they can you know you can see almost the sort of the walk across um, and that uh, helped us uh, helped us a lot and so uh, good luck with that and I know you've been there many times before in the past. Yeah, I have, and I'm on the, the CAS, um, revisiting the CAS standards to, to the 4.0, and so I have a, a little bit of an uh, insight into what the new standards are going to look like as we go forward, and, um, and so I'm pretty excited about our, uh, our ability to, to move into this uh, accreditation, which will sort of give us a seal of validation uh, for the community that uh, that we truly are doing everything in our power to be um, a world-class organization. Doug, thank you. Um, this is a week to give thanks uh, as we go into uh, Thursday and Friday of Thanksgiving week. Uh, but uh, what would you like to say to not only your staff, but everybody out there in, uh, in the world of EMS? Yeah, I, you know, I have been blessed in my career of uh, 42 years to be in this this thing we call uh, EMS. I have met uh, some of the most passionate and service-oriented uh, individuals uh, that you could ever want to be around. And uh, to all of my friends and to uh, everyone in EMS, um, I hope that you have a blessed Thanksgiving. Be safe and uh, know that uh, what you do matters. Couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, to everybody out there, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, as Doug says, stay safe. That's all for now, Doug. So thank you very much. And uh, maybe we can come back again uh, in, in, a, in a little while. Uh, things seem to be moving along. 
Uh, I've been making a checklist as, you, as you've been talking, everything from a full fleet, 110% staffed, doggy daycare, that's going in the notes. You are getting involved in the community, uh, excellent uh, resilience, the resilience, 10 out of 10 on that one. Uh, the uh, community engagement is on the way, getting involved with ESFs and emergency management, and you're only 80 days in. So uh, keep going. Uh, I'll keep following. And uh, we'll come back and talk again if you're all right with that. You know, Rob, I, there will be nothing that I would rather do. You're a good friend and a good friend to EMS. So you have a happy holiday and um, I look forward to seeing you soon. Well, cheers, Doug. That's all for now. Thank you to my guest, Doug Hooten. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or over on LinkedIn. Uh, that's it. I've been Rob Lawrence. And until next time, bye for now. Bye.